Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? What's up, everyone? My name is Najee Adams, and I'm one half of the dynamic hosting duo of the Hoopball Nets podcast right here in the Hoopball Podcast Network. Myself, along with my best friend, Hunter Jacobs, cover everything about New York's best basketball team. Sorry, Knicks fans. Join us as we journey into a new era of Nets basketball with superstars Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant while having a whole lot of fun along the way. As your one-stop shop for all things Nets, we've got it all. From their title odds next season, all the way to what we think their NBA 2K rating should be. Just two native New Yorkers talking about Brooklyn hoops. What could be better? Swing us a follow at Hoopball Nets on Twitter and subscribe to the show everywhere that podcast can be found. We've got Brooklyn Grit. Come show us you do too. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Thursdays have taken on a brand new meaning as we count down to the NBA's seeding. That's the term that everybody's using now. Seeding games that start on July the 30th. We are three weeks away from basketball games that count for something. Unbelievable. I can't believe we've gotten to this point. Somehow we're like, I think we're two weeks away from baseball, which feels completely harebrained. Doesn't it? Oh my God, I don't, I don't see how this could possibly, well, whatever, uh, not going to fight it. Whatever happens, happens. We will continue to close our eyes and hope for the best on all that stuff. Not much in the way of NBA news over the last 24 hour period, which frankly, at this point, at least from a weather, will it, won't it is, uh, I guess good. You know, most of the time we hear stuff, it's not great. There were little tidbits of news mixed in. The Nets, who we've talked about all week long for being unbelievably shorthanded, signed Jamal Crawford to a deal worth mentioning. He probably will get enough shots to be basketball relevant, but I don't know about fantasy relevant because, look, Jamal Crawford is ancient at this point, guys. This is not like bringing back prime Jamal Crawford. Now, to be fair, he did score 51 points in his last basketball game. He went for 51 against the Mavs. Uh, I think that was the end of last season. Am I getting that right with Phoenix? So obviously there's still something in the tank, but I just, with with Karis LeVert and Jared Allen healthy on that team and some younger guys that I'm sure they're going to want to get out there, I don't see how someone who's three years older than me is going to be making a massive fantasy level impact now to be fair in his heyday we were talking about guys that do a lot of scoring off the bench Jamal Crawford was sort of the original flavor of Lou Williams right like he came in and he gunned and he took 15 16 shots a game and he scored 15 to 20 points a game he's never been hyper efficient in scoring throughout his career very good foul shooter very good foul shooter but if you look at his his career numbers, there aren't that many stretches that would put him as a truly elite fantasy asset, at least not since like a decade ago. He's always he's had the potential to be kind of on the cusp because of good scoring numbers, but the other stuff just isn't there. I mean, you can look back at 
arguably his best recent season, which is still seven years ago with the Clippers when he averaged 19, 2, and 3. That's enough to be fantasy relevant. If you look at the season since then, uh, you're talking about a guy that averaged 16, 2, and 2, 14, 2, and 2, 12, 1, and 2, 10, 1, and 2, with the minutes obviously trending down. He's stepping into a spot in Brooklyn where he will probably get to take, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 shots a ball game just because everybody is gone. But I can't imagine that they're bringing him in to play 30 minutes a game. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I know that the team makeup is screwball right now. That you could say, well, they want to they play the young guys, but half of those guys are out. There are still guys in front of him in the pecking order. Garrett Temple will and and Joe Harris will likely be the starting uh, two and three guards. Karis LeVert might just run a point forward kind of thing. I don't know if they're going to start a point guard of any kind. And it's not as though Jamal Crawford is a point guard. I know he can he can pass a little bit, uh, but I I I think we may be drastically overestimating what he might be able to do. Nets signed Tyler Johnson, too. Don't forget. He's probably in front of Jamal Crawford in the pecking order. So don't go out and, and uh, put him on your list of guys that you're drafting here at this point. I know it's a very cool and fun story, and it's going to make watching Brooklyn more fun in the these seeding games. But I don't, I don't think Jamal Crawford is going to be making a fantasy impact. Also, news that dropped yesterday, not that long, actually, after our pod came out, was that Kawhi Leonard was staying back briefly to deal with a personal matter. I assume that this, it sounded like it has something to do with family. We have been been given any additional details on that front. And so I just, for now, won't worry about it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to dig too deep on it. You know, we, we have him in our ranking board at a very high mark. I'm not changing that based on him staying back unless we get some other news coming out in the next little bit. Uh, late last night, word dropped that the Nets may be signing Michael Beasley, and then the Beasley working out in gyms videos started circulating on the internet. And that's just as silly as the other stuff. If Jamal Crawford has like a 1% chance of having fantasy value with Brooklyn, Beasley probably even less than that. Although, admittedly, with no Torian Prince and no DeAndre Jordan and no Wilson Chandler, there isn't really much of a power forward contingent on this team. So you look at it and you're like, well, could he could he actually end up on the floor? I mean, you might might we see uh Curix as a possibility? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I just even if he gets out there, do we think that this is someone who could who could actually be fantasy relevant? I don't. I don't. I mean, I, again, another note that makes Brooklyn fun and or interesting in this real shrug fest of a who's going to get the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. But they're not, this is not fantasy stuff. This is reality news. And that's fine. We talk about reality, especially now when we haven't had a fantasy relevant game since March. And for many of you, this still might not be a fantasy relevant game. I don't know uh, how many of you guys are going to be playing in the resumption leagues. I'm hoping most of you, because that'll give you a reason to listen to this podcast. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But, I, you know, some of you probably are just listening because you like the pod and whatever. By the way, to those of you that have been listening to the pod and enjoying it, thank you. 
thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. It really, it's it's mind-boggling to me that there are still any of you listening to this podcast during this four-month layoff. Uh, obviously, not as many as when the season was going, but there is still a decent number of you out there, and that warms the deepest, darkest cockles of my heart. And to you diehards, a big heartier thank you than everyone else. And also check out manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 3.0 is out after 18 months of research and development. 20% off and free shipping with coupon code HOOPBALL20. It is back and it is effective again. It, uh, for, uh, it looks like for a couple of days there, HOOPBALL20 code might have been down. Uh, a couple of you let me know about that. So if you're trying to do it now, you can use either of our two codes, Brewski, B-R-U-S-K-I, or Hoopball20. Either one of those gets you 20% off and free shipping for whatever you're getting over at manscaped.com. Make us proud. Allow us to develop a long-term partnership with a corporate sponsor, and we will live forever. We will be invincible here at Fantasy NBA Today. Thank you to those that have rated and reviewed the podcast as well. You guys are the best. And I think that's our stuff at the beginning of the show. Oh, I'm Dan Bespris. Ha! At Dan Bespris on Twitter. That's it. Okay, done with that stuff. We left off. You guys know what we're doing right now. We're building our draft board. We left off with 78 picks on our draft board, although admittedly the last couple will likely get supplanted by some of the names we're going over on the original NBA big board, which is where we left off. Uh, at pick number 105. That's probably not the right word for it. It wasn't pick 105. It was player rank 105 from the regular season, and that was Daniel House. We slotted him at the end of our own draft board, which was pick number 77, or uh, rather just in front of P.J. Tucker. Those two guys clustered at the bottom of our existing list. I'm not going to go through all the picks like we did at the beginning of this thing. If you want to know how we got to this point, you're going to, unfortunately, have to go back and listen to earlier podcasts. But we are, again, we're 78 players deep on our resumption board, and we are through 105 players on the original list. And we're going to go pretty deep on the original list because there's a lot of names that aren't there and guys that are getting a bump. Not only the eight teams are missing bump, but the... We need guys that are going to be performing high clip on a per-game basis once you get into the deeper reaches of this situation. I know I'm repeating myself for those of you that listen every day, but just in case someone is coming on for the first time, one of the big keys to this seeding stretch, this eight-game sprint, is that for Roto Leagues, which, by the way, uh, leagues we're playing are over at Fantrax right now. Fantrax.com is the website, uh, F-A-N-T-R-A-X. Those of you that are playing these Roto Leagues, they're probably going to have an eight-game cap per position. I would think nine at the absolute most, but probably eight if if you're leaving the settings the way they are. And I think I would for this just because this is such a weird and unique situation. We've never seen anything quite like it before. What you want aren't the plotters. We're not going to need to be filling games in this. What we want, and because I believe there are enough options to pull it off, what we want are top-level guys that are going to be playing in all eight games. You want to utilize, you want your big guns to be out there as much as possible, even more than during the regular season. You want to try to draft big guns that are going to be playing uh, in all eight games. It's it's where you look at the totals ranking board from the regular season, and you see guys like Bam Adebayo, 
uh, Rob Covington getting these massive bumps because they played over 60 games during the regular season. Okay? So that's the top. The middle is a little bit similar to the top, although you're starting to transition more to guys that you want to have a better per-game mark. And then as we get deeper, which is where we are now, we're kind of into the deeper reaches. Once once you throw P.J. Tucker on your list, you're officially in the deeper part of your draft. You want guys that are going to perform strong, but it doesn't matter. You want them more than guys that are going to plot along for eight games. Because we have a limited number of games to use, presumably we're going to have 13, 14, or 15 roster slots to get it done. And so those guys at the end, you want them to be flash-in-the-pan guys. You want someone that's going to step into a potential role when starters get rested because that dude going big for four games and not doing anything at all for the other four is actually more useful than P.J. Tucker clunking along at a top 120 click for, for all eight games. Even if at the end of it all, Those guys are ranked almost the exact same. You want the guy that you can plug in there for the big ones. You want to rack up the big games during this resumption period. So that's why those guys are at the bottom of our board, and that's why we will pick up where we left off with, and I mentioned these names at the very tail end of yesterday's podcast. The next couple names on the list actually aren't going. Derek Rose, not going to be there. Colin Sexton, not going to be there. And we pick up today with Thomas Bryant, who apparently will be there, and with the Wizards shorthanded, no Bradley Beal. We we knew from long ago, no John Wall, no Davis Bertans. Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner are likely going to be expected to hold down the center position. Thomas Bryant played only 24 minutes a game this year. He was at, again, 108, so he didn't make it inside the top 100, but he does have a very useful fantasy stat set, and just couldn't stay healthy this year. So you got a couple of things pulling you in different directions on Thomas Bryant. We know that his upside is very good. If he was the full-time 30-minute-a-game starter, he would have been a top 75, top 70, maybe even a little bit higher kind of guy this year. Probably would have been posting something like 15 points, I would say 8.5, 9 rebounds, 1.5 blocks on good percentages. That's a useful, that's a very useful center. Maybe that's what we get. Maybe we get 24 minutes a game like we did on average during the regular season because there's really not much of a reason to run him ragged. Even with the zombie Brooklyn Nets as a team that they almost could chase down, Washington's still not going to be good enough. It's not like they get to play Brooklyn for eight straight games here. Washington has what I would consider to be six games that they're almost definitely going to lose because they're just not very good. Do they try to win them? I don't know. Does Thomas Bryant get to play enough to do fantasy stuff? I don't know. I think he's worth a flyer on the chance that he does get to go full bore for, I don't know, three or four games, just like we were talking about. Maybe they turn him loose for a couple games during this resumption, and then maybe they reel him back in a little bit and make him play 20 minutes for a couple of games, and Mo Wagner gets to play a bit more. I would rather have Thomas Bryant than these quiet, do-nothing-plod guys at the end of our list. But there's also a lot of confusion around what he might actually do. 
What you guys might recall, and if not, we'll go. We'll just rattle off a few names here. The guys near the end of our draft board right now are Hassan Whiteside is where I'm going to start. There's about 15 names up the list. Then Montrez Harrell, Terrence Ross, Duncan Robinson, Nerlens Noel, Derek Favors, Paul Millsap, Al Horford, Jay Crowder, DeMar DeRozan, who's really low because I don't think he's going to play at all, Serge Ibaka, Dante DiVincenzo, JaVale McGee, Daniel House, and P.J. Tucker. Thomas Bryant is obviously above Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. I don't know that he's obviously above JaVale McGee, but I do think that he is above him. Now you're getting close to where he probably belongs, and you could make arguments to go a little bit higher. Is he more interesting than Dante DiVincenzo? Yeah, because he's probably going to start the first game of this seeding session, and so we'll know very quickly if he's going to be useful, where DiVincenzo, he's going to need somebody to go down for him to actually hit his mark. With Bryant, we just we need to just hope that uh, he gets to play. So a lot of these guys, DiVincenzo off the bench, Serge Ibaka off the bench, DeMar DeRozan almost definitely not going to play, Jay Crowder possibly off the bench, maybe not decent enough in Miami, will probably play a fair amount. Horford, Millsap, Favors, those guys are all, you know, they all have their weird things. Horford probably off the bench, Millsap, we don't know what his minutes are going to be, Favors, minutes are going to be down, all that kind of stuff. So this, I think, is roughly where a guy like Thomas Bryant belongs. The question is, do you trust him to actually play more than some of these other guys? And I'm going to say yes, because if he does, the ceiling is higher. Just create that window in your mind. What's the best case scenario for Paul Millsap? What he did at the very beginning of the regular season on a Denver team that doesn't really have all that much to play for here during the resumption other than to kind of get their their bearings back. They're not going to fall far enough to have to deal with any of the true juggernauts in the first round in the Western Conference, and home court doesn't mean anything. Derek Favors, we know what he's going to be. He's going to play 25 minutes a game. Nerlens Noel, he's going to play 18 minutes a game. So you put Thomas uh, Bryant in there with guys like Duncan Robinson and Terrence Ross, who are, those guys are going to play, but in all likelihood, they're not going to set the world on fire with their fantasy games. And then you got Bryant, who, you know, what if he does play a lot? So I'm going to put him in there right in, uh, right in front of Terrence Ross. And then, of course, we're going to have to retool all of our numbers here, and I'll do my best. I'll just adjust the last name on the list for now so we know how far we're at. And that'll, that'll push everybody down the list. So Thomas Bryant, a little bit up the list, but not that much. Marc Gasol was at 109, and he is a similar situation here to Thomas Bryant because Gasol also couldn't stay healthy this year. When he was starting to figure it out was basically the moment that everything fell apart for him. But Marc Gasol was looking like he was about ready to be a top 60, top 70 center when that field goal percent began to level off. I think he'll probably be that guy for whatever games he plays here. Raptors have, again, that big cushion on both sides. Three games up on Boston, six and a half games down to Milwaukee. So they're almost definitely not moving during this seeding stuff, but they're going to play their guys, at least at the beginning, because they want to get their chemistry back. Everybody's kind of got to get their sea legs. Uh, I like Marcus Ole. I think he's going to be probably underdrafted in this resumption deal, and he might even get underdrafted next year, depending on where he ends up as a free agent. So I would look to put him not that far from Thomas Bryant, perhaps a little bit lower on the board, because I think people uh, tend to go lower on older guys. 
But I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be in that group with the favors Millsap Horfords of the world. Uh, and I think I would even consider him ahead of Derek Favors because I think they probably want to play him more minutes per game. Right? We're not we're not hunting exclusively for plotting types at this point. If we can catch lightning in a bottle for a couple of days, I think we do it. So I'll move Gasol up the list a little bit as well. Everybody down a clump. Justin Holiday follows Mark Gasol, and he's liable to actually have a role on that Indiana team. Whether or not Malcolm Brogdon shows up, no Jeremy Lamb, and no Victor Oladipo means that Justin Holiday is basically the team's shooting guard. Brogdon would be the starting point guard, and Justin Holiday probably starts at shooting guard. Then you got TJ Warren, Miles Turner, and Demonis Sabonis. That's probably your starting five, unless they go super small start Aaron Holiday and bump Brogdon up to the two. Either way, Justin Holiday's probably playing 27, 28 minutes a game, and that puts him inside the top 100 during the regular fantasy season and probably puts him inside the top 90 or 80 here during the resumption. Would I rather have him or one of these other guys near the bottom of my board? Would I rather have Justin Holiday or Serge Ibaka? Believe it or not, I think I'd rather have Justin Holiday. What about Justin or Dante DiVincenzo? Uh, probably Holiday. Jamel McGee? Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, I think it's Justin Holiday. What about versus Jay Crowder? Mm, probably go Crowder there. Liable to take a few more shots. But they're close. Not that dissimilar. So we'll throw Justin Holiday in the mix. He's in there, not at the bottom of our board, and definitely going to be useful with the Pacers exceedingly shorthanded and almost definitely going to be underdrafted. Kevin Herter, not there. Patrick Beverly completely disappeared when the Clippers signed Reggie Jackson. So he's not even on my list. Skip it. Dennis Schroeder, who was 113 during the regular season, but better than that after a slow start. Important to note what guys were doing when things got shut down. Dennis Schroeder was number 80 over the last roughly 20 games of the regular season. And I see no reason why those numbers should change all that much. This is what they do. Oklahoma City wants to avoid falling into the seven seed. And the fantasy assets on that team are pretty predictable and useful. Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder. He'll probably play in most of, if not all, of the games. He's been pretty durable this year. And he deserves to be much higher on the board than if we had thrown him near the end. So we'll play the game again. How far up do we move him? I think you can immediately jump as high as a guy like Terrence Ross. You almost don't even need to look at guys underneath there because Schroeder was, by all accounts, uh, better than Terrence Ross for a longer stretch this year. He was just uh, worse at the beginning. Thomas Bryan, Montrez Harrell, OG Ananobi. Is that a grouping we're looking at here? Yeah, probably. That's, that's Schroeder territory. And Dennis isn't the, he also has the advantage. I mean, if he ends up as a top 80 regular season type, wipe out eight teams and he's a top 65, top 60 type. Plus, he was playing better than that. Plus, he's probably going to play in all eight games. He could be a steal. Despite having a good year, he could be a steal during this resumption campaign. So I'm going to throw him all the way up there with some of these other guys that I think are going to play in a bunch of games and we're ramping up towards the end of the season, and that's that Mikhail Bridges, OG Ananobi zone of our board. 
Would I rather have Bridges, Ananobi, or Schroeder? I think I might go Schroeder first because of him likely playing all of those games. So Dennis Schroeder ends up pretty far up the board here. And we're going to have to make a lot of adjustments as we work our way through the rest of these names. So Dennis gets a big kick. Thanks for your help there, Dennis. And this is why we need to go so far. Derek Jones Jr. at number 114 during the regular season. Miami, by all accounts, is healthy. And when they were healthy, he didn't get to do very much. He did his damage when Jimmy Butler was out. He did more damage when other guys were out as well. Justice Winslow was on the team at one point. He missed the entire season, basically. Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, those guys all missed time. A uh, healthy Heat team means Derek Jones isn't going to do that much. So throw him off the list. Damian Lee, not there. Josh Hart at 116 also had a really tough time sustaining value when the Pelicans were healthy. I believe the Pelicans are going to be making a strong push, meaning it's hard to see a situation where Josh Hart gets to do enough to have fantasy value. But we're going to put him on our wait list, and frankly, we should be putting all of the guys that we're skipping over on our wait list because it's possible we have to loop back around to them. Uh, so who did we skip over on today's show already? We skipped over uh, Patrick Beverly. We skipped over Derek Jones Jr. so far today. Did we skip over anybody yesterday? Pro oh, we skipped over Alec Burks, but uh, yeah, and Marcus Morris, but those guys aren't making it back onto our board. That's not happening. Is there any depth we could go to where Patrick Beverly would end up on my team? No. Derek Jones Jr., maybe. If you think Butler might skip a game, maybe. Maybe he gets one good one, but I'd rather pick him up. That's a guy I think you could pick up rather than having to draft him. But again, we'll throw these guys on our, on our wait list just to make sure that we don't forget about any of them. Well, we can forget about some. Forgetting about Burks, forgetting about Marcus Morris, we will forget. Nah, we'll throw we'll throw Beverly, Jones, and Hart on our wait list for today. So that that uh, those guys can make it on there. So Patrick Beverly is on the wait list. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. is on the wait list, and whoever the hell we just said, Josh Hart is on the wait list, and he's probably the closest among the three. In fact. Based on the fact that we have Daniel House and P.J. Tucker on our list right now, I think you could probably throw Josh Hart in front of those guys, um, if only because if the Pelicans do fall out of it, they might just let him go for a couple of games, you know, sit J.J. Redick and whatever. Sit Drew Holiday and Josh Hart could have a little bit more value there. So he has, to me, he of these three guys we're talking about waitlist possibilities, I think Josh Hart does belong at least the closest. Christian Wood uh, was the next guy on the regular season list. He's not there. Neither, neither is Wendell Carter Jr. Neither is Trevor Ariza. Glenn Robinson III is not going to be useful in Philadelphia. So we're really zipping through here now. Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Sacramento ilk was number 121 during the regular season. But, again, we have to remember what were these guys doing at the time of shutdown. Bogdan was better than that at shutdown time because he... By all accounts, jacked Buddy Heald's starting job and was playing 28-29 minutes a game as the starting shooting guard. Bogdan definitely should be drafted. You guys know I'm not a big fan of his fantasy game, but if he's playing 30 minutes and you're looking at some of the other names that we're going to be getting into here on our draft board, absolutely he needs to be considered for your team. Absolutely. 
Even if you go a little bit farther back, he was hovering near the edge of the top 100 and a little bit better than that the final two or three weeks when you know, he shot the ball better over that stretch and he got sort of an unsustainably high number of steals over that stretch. But even if you call him a top 100 guy during the regular season, he's better than that during the resumption. So where does he fit into this mix? Probably up there in the Justin Holiday, Jay Crowder grouping just before you hit Serge Ibaka, fill-in types like DiVincenzo, JaVale McGee, and Josh Hart. So I would draw Bogdan uh, probably just behind Justin Holiday, which I know is going to freak some of you guys out because Holiday's numbers are really more fantasy-friendly than they are pretty. But he has a much easier path to to value because he gets steals and blocks and threes. And Bogdan's going to have to do it with the shooting guard stat profile, which is points and not a lot else. He doesn't do a whole lot else. But he's going to play enough to belong on uh, on fantasy rosters. What the hell did we do with Nemanja Bialica? Where do we stuff him at the end of all of this? I feel like I feel like he was a guy we we put on a wait list and then forgot about. Is he on our board anywhere? We may have skipped him. That was silly. He needs to be on our wait list. He belongs down there with the likes of Josh Hart because I think somebody does need to get hurt for him to be useful. And uh, so we'll we'll put him in front of uh, of Daniel House at the end of the list. I don't know how that happened, so I apologize. I was moving fast, and I don't think I realized how far we were going to have to go at the time. Let's do a handful more here. I want to try to keep going and, and move at a good clip today. Scanning around the list here. I lose my place too easily. Willie Cauley-Stein is sitting it out, I think, uh, I believe, two days ago. His child was born, so congrats to the Cauley-Stein family. But we don't have to worry about him, which means the guy behind him actually has a decent amount of value, and that's Maxi Kleba, who finished at 123 during the regular season and kind of an up-and-down, frankly, regular season for Kleba. He is frightfully inconsistent, but over the final 25 games, he was number 112. That was with Cauley-Stein playing in some of those, and really uh, almost no other true big men besides, of course, Kristaps Porzingis. So I, I would assume Kleb is going to get a chance to play during this bubble situation. The Mavs, I know, would love to climb out of the seven hole. Dwight Powell is there, but he's not playing. He's gone for a long time. He's there for because he's part of the Players Association uh, and presumably to you know, root on his teammates. So I think Maxi Kleba belongs on a roster. He does have the fantasy profile of one of the Daniel House, P.J. Tucker plotting types, but there's a little more upside there because of blocks, because they're hard to get. And so to me, he goes just above those guys and kind of at the front end of the uh, Josh Hart, Bielitsa, House, Tucker group, where you're generally looking for someone to get hurt for those guys to move into fantasy value. With Kleba, no one really needs to get hurt, but it also doesn't seem like he's going to do all that much, right? Like, the upside is capped. We'd rather have someone who's going to do a lot for a day. And, you know, maybe uh, Porzingis sits out one game, which gives Kleba kind of a one-game window. But looking at some of the guys in front of him here on my list, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Justin Holiday, DiVincenzo, these guys, to me, have a quicker and easier path to having, you know, one, two, three, four, maybe even five bigger games. Whereas Kleba, you're probably going to get seven or eight relatively quiet ones, but slightly better 
relatively quiet ones than the guys at the bottom of our list, if that makes sense. And it might not. And you know what? We're at that point. So bear with me here. DeAndre Jordan was at 124. He's out with COVID. Alfred Payton's not there. Aaron Gordon at pick 126 during the regular season. And you guys know he's going way higher than that on our board here for the resumption because of whatever the hell it is that he became for the final 15, 20 games of the regular season. He was a different man, and I'm putting him far up the draft board. Would we go as high as guys like Shabazz Napier, Norman Powell, Jaron Jackson Jr., DeJounte Murray in that 40 to 50 range? Honestly, you're getting close. Evan Fournier at 51, Marcus Smart, Will Barton, Jalen Brown. You could definitely see Aaron Gordon in that group of guys, and I certainly see him ahead of a guy like a Brandon Clark or a Dennis Schroeder. So we're going to put Aaron Gordon relatively high. Not too high. Uh, he's not jumping over guys like uh, Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert, Miles Turner, De'Aaron Fox, guys like that. Um, and by the way, we're going to have to move Karis LeVert farther up our list now that two other Brooklyn Nets got eliminated. And don't worry, we'll go through and we'll tweak everything at the end. But Aaron Gordon, to me, I'd rather have over Jalen Brown. I'd rather have him over Will Barton. I'd rather have him over Marcus Smart. Evan Fournier, now you're getting close. I'd probably go Aaron Gordon right behind that Malcolm Brogdon, DeJounte Murray grouping. So I think I've got Aaron Gordon at 51, and when we do our tweaks at the end, he might even end up a little bit higher. So these are these names that are way down the board that we have to keep an eye on. Tim Hardaway Jr. in Dallas. Um, I mean, he deserves to be on our list because at the end of Dallas's regular season, he was actually kind of starting to find himself a little bit. He was inside the top 90 over the last 25 games they played. He was inside the top 80 over the last 10 games they played. Now, admittedly, guys missed some of those. Seth Curry was out for a couple of those games. I think Porzingis missed one or two. Luka might have missed one or two in that stretch as well. So Hardaway might not have quite such inflated numbers, but he's going to take shots. The Mavs play fast, and he likes to shoot a lot. So he deserves to be above the bottom most group on our board as well because, listen, it's about opportunity for some of these low-level guys. I'm not going to take him far up the list because, again, there is a value to having a guy who can step into a big role, which could be JaVale McGee. I'd rather have for two or three games versus Hardaway for six or seven, but I'd rather have Tim Hardaway than the plotters behind him. So he slots in in front of of his teammate Maxi Kleba and kind of the king of the interns here, so to speak. The guys that you don't really want on your team, uh, but if you have to do them at the end of the draft, you're going to want the ones that have the slightest upside, and Hardaway fits that mold. So I'd rather have Bogdan, Justin Holiday than these guys, Steven Chenzo, who I think steps into a better role part way, JaVale McGee, who could go big for a couple of games, and then Hardaway sits a little bit behind those dudes. But again... He's not at the bottom. Tomas Sadoransky, not coming. John Morant at 129 during the regular season. Vastly overrated player during this regular season because he averaged almost 18-7 and seven and 49% from the field. But under one three-pointer, under a steal, uh, three and a half rebounds is fine, but I think everybody was hoping for more. 77% at the free throw line and over three turnovers a game. 
If he puts up those exact same numbers, he's right around the edge of the top 100. But damn it, you know you can't put him at the bottom of this list. He can't be down there with Bielitsa and Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. Because Jaw could definitely explode for a game or two. And what if he shoots free throws well for eight games? What if that's not a negative? He moves up pretty quick. But I know this is going to freak a lot of you guys out. I would rather have some of these other guys I've listed than John Morant. Not Tim Hardaway Jr. We're not going that far down the list. And not even JaVale McGee, who might step into a big role part. Wait, we, I mean, we know Jaw's going to be playing good minutes here as the Grizzlies try to secure their playoff spot. But someone like, uh, I don't know, Bogdan Bogdanovich might even have an easier path to value. Still, you got to go a tiny bit higher just because of the possibility of game growth and upside. And so John Moran is going to slot in for me. Uh, probably not nearly high enough to actually get him in any of these drafts because I'd still have guys like Schroeder, Mikhail Bridges, etc. in front of him, uh, but a little bit behind those dudes. Question is, again, at this point, how far behind those dudes? Because then you get into, you know, Nerland's Noel versus John Morant. Feels crazy, but Nerlens did beat him by about 50 slots during the regular season. Marcus Gasol, Derek Favors, are these guys we would really take over Ja? The answer's yeah. You got to go with what you know. And Ja Morant's fantasy value wasn't there yet this year. Yet. It's a big yet. He'll get better. His fantasy game will improve as he hits more threes and fixes his free throw stroke. Maybe gets more assists per game. There's a lot of upside there and a lot to like. As a fantasy player going forward, it's hard to be a young point guard in the NBA. But at this point, you want to take the guys that you have a pretty good feel for. The advantage, certainly, for Jaws is that you got to think he's playing in all eight of these games. And so that gives him a little bit of a boost. But he also needs to be better in the eight games he's playing in because otherwise he slots into this plodding type. Never want to think of him like that. But I will take him ahead of Jay Crowder, and that's basically where he's slotting in. Is kind of right in that Favors, Millsap, Horford range, because we don't really know what Horford's going to do. I'm inclined to continue to push him down the list, so Morant's going to slot in at about 71 on our board. And frankly, if he did fall to us that far, I might wimp out and jump over him anyway. So maybe we shouldn't even put him there. In any event, we'll leave him there for now. But this is, again, this is interesting stuff because we're digging pretty deep. 130 on the list is Derek White. He could have a monster resumption here. What about when DeMar DeRozan almost inevitably sits? And DeJounte Murray and Derek White, won't they have a chance to just go bananas? He's great when he gets actual playing time and usage. Derek White's got to be well up the list as well. I think I might even consider him ahead of John Morant and some of these other guys. Would I take him ahead of Marcus Soule, Nerlens Noel, Duncan Robinson, Terrence Ross, guys like that? Uh, it's questionable because it, it might take a couple of games for White to, to slide into that bigger role. But damn, it's close. I think I'm going to put him right in front of Morant. I really think Derek White could have a good resumption here. J.J. Redick at 131. Yeah, I mean, okay. He's with Josh Hart. Put him, uh, I don't know, right around that group. Does it really matter? You got Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleba, Josh Hart, Nemanja Bielitsa. Nemanja? 
the hell am I? Nemanja Bielica, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker. Uh, Redick is in that group. He's undoubtedly in that group. I'm going to put him behind Josh Hart, but it doesn't really matter. We're not going to... You don't really want him. We should have enough guys on our list to protect us from having to end up with a guy like J.J. Redick, but maybe not. One of the things we're learning here as we build these lists is that they're just... Because you're pulling out eight teams, it's a lot harder to find enough guys to fill out a roster. And that's why we want to put as many of these names as possible. It's why it was... It was short-sighted me to not put some of the game, the guys we were skipping on our wait list, at least guys that are actually going to be there. Kendrick Nunn was at 132 during the regular season, and, you know, he was a guy we would never touch during a normal fantasy campaign. Uh, but at this point, you kind of have to just put him near the end of your list. I think I would actually rather have P.J. Tucker. I think we're finally at a guy that I'm going to put on my list behind P.J. Tucker because Kendrick Nunn's fantasy game just isn't, you know, he'll be plodding just in a different way. It'll be scoring at a bad percentage and doing very little else. Whereas for me, you know, I'd rather have Tucker and the steals and the rebounds and that sort of deal. Marquise Chris was at 133. He's not there. Danny Green for the Lakers was at 134. He will be there, but he's also at the bottom of this list. He's got to go behind Kendrick Nunn. So just throw him in there because, you know, whatever. Right? At this point, whatever. If you have to, you'll end up with him. But, you know, you compare him to, like, a Patrick Beverly who basically wasn't playing at the end of the year, I guess we can throw Bev at the very end of the list also. I, I mean, what's the point here? We're, we're trying to avoid these guys, but they exist, so they're just going to go on the board for now. Bech. Blech. Otto Porter, not there. Rui Hachimura, who was 136 during the regular season, should see a pretty good uptick here during this uh, eight-game seeding thing with no Beal, uh, no Wall, no Bertans. Rui's going to take a bunch of shots. He should be, I think, someone that, I don't want to call it targeting because you don't want to go too high for him, but he should be up there in the guys that's probably going to get significant playing time and have a significant role. He is a safer pick than a lot of the guys we've just been talking about. So he's got to go up there with the likes of Duncan Robinson, Terrence Ross, Mark Gasol, guys that are probably going to get a starting job and activity. And the question is, where do you take him in that group? Which, to me, spans basically all the way from Thomas Bryant to Bogdan Bogdanovich before you kind of hit the next grouping. And anywhere in there really is fine for Rui. Anyone, anywhere. His fantasy game is not that great. You may want to build your team out... It, where you need his stuff, if you need points and rebounds on good percentages, that's that's your guy. Would I rather have Rui Achimura or Derek Favors? I might even think Rui at that point. So maybe that's our spot, and we'll flop him in there right around that area, but he's a guy that, again, was lower on the board before that gets a boost now and pushes everybody else farther down the list. Julius Randle, not there. Carmelo Anthony. Going to have to play small forward. This could get ugly. I don't need somebody... I, I don't need somebody pooing on my my, my percentages during this thing. We're going to work really hard to make sure our team is fine. Melo belongs at the bottom of the list. Maybe not all the way at the bottom. You know, he can go ahead of the the likes of maybe Danny Green and, and Patrick Beverly just because of the possibility he ends up having to do more as this is sort of the... The farewell slash please sign me again next year tour. But yeah, he, he's he's pretty darn close to the bottom. 
Seth Curry, he was playing his butt off before suffering an ankle injury right near the end of the regular season, so I want him a little bit higher. Uh, he is now kind of the king of the interns in that I'm not going to take him ahead of a guy like Justin Holiday, who's probably going to start and play pretty decent minutes, but we saw Seth Curry posting those really nice numbers on good percentages late this regular season. He slots in there next to his teammates, basically. Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleba, uh, certainly ahead of a Josh Hart, right near a JaVale McGee, who's kind of the low start, quick finish type of guy. Dante DiVincenzo kind of in that same grouping. Serge Ibaka versus Seth Curry. You probably go Serge. So I think what I'll do here is I'll put him right behind Hardaway and right in front of Maxi Kleba. So he deserves, he'll, he'll get drafted, or he should get drafted at the very least. Joe Harris. By the way, after Joe Harris is JaVale McGee, and then I think we'll put a pin in this thing. Joe Harris was number 140 during the regular season, but there's nobody left. And so, even though I think he does get a boost, it's not big enough to be a significant leap, and it probably puts him in this group with sort of the king of the intern crowd, Better than Josh Hart, better than Kleba, right in there with Hardaway and Seth Curry. And honest to goodness, I don't care what, what order you take them in. You can go Joe Harris at the front end of that group because they have no choice. And with Hardaway and Curry and what have you, the Mavericks actually do have some depth at guard positions. But, you know, that puts him as probably somewhere around 80. So let's do a quick recalculation here. We've been slotting a number of names in, but we haven't readjusted the numbers. No, would you look at that? Slotted in more today than I realized. We're at 98. But those last few names are liable to just keep getting pushed down the list. Like, there's no way I'm taking Patrick Beverly at 98. I will say that uh, the top 50 or 60 or so are pretty close to being locked in at this point. Uh, we might There might be one or two guys we come across the rest of the way but you're starting to see things start to take shape a little. And we will, of course, continue to do some tweaking and adjusting. So here's the plan going forward, ladies and germs. Tomorrow, Friday, we wrap up the week. I want to finish this first board pass tomorrow. So we'll basically go... The hell did we leave off here? We left off at DeLon Wright at 142 from the regular season. And I'm hoping we can zip through about 180 to 190 and then kind of put a pin in things. And then first thing next week, we will do our tweaks and kind of big reveal sort of deal of, of our final product. That'll get us ready for resumption drafts, which should probably be happening the week after that. whoop de freaking do We're close. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We're done. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm Dan Baspers. Thanks for listening again. Uh, check out Manscaped. I don't know how many times I can tell you. Manscaped.com, promo code HoopBall20. Please go get something. We need you now more than ever. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.